welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours, and it is day two of Super Bowl 50, the build-up week. Everyone's here, Ollie Hunter, Matt Sherry, Liam Blackburn, even Scraggsy's joined us, although he doesn't have a microphone, so he doesn't get to say anything. We've got loads to cover. The two intrepid reporters have been out covering the Panthers and the Broncos, and we've had loads of great interviews on Radio Row. That's all the news and views from Super Bowl 50. This is the Gridiron Show. That is going to have been incredibly long considering I recorded it without the music. Oh well, hi guys, how are we all doing? Not bad. Yeah, alright, that was much better than yesterday. <laughs> which someone tweeted us saying that was possibly the worst and best opener ever. Good, I'm glad it got such rave reviews. It was only one person deigned to, was it you? to mention it. It was not me. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned already, Ollie Hunter is here in attendance. Hello Ollie. Hi, hi. Uh, what is that? <laughs> Ollie's gone nautical on us. Liam Blackburn, who might actually talk on the microphone today. Salutations. <laughs> and Matt Sherry, who his voice is distinguishable from any man's in the entire of San Francisco right now, I bet. Well, hello there, Will. If Why are you, man? Have you not seen Anton Deck just on Radio Row popping along? <laughs> Genuinely, if there's another man with the same uh, accent as Matt Sherry in this entire city, I'd be surprised. They've enjoyed it though, all of the guests we've had along to Radio Row today, and it has been a brilliant day down here in Media City, has been fantastic. You're meant to agree and join in, Matt, come on. It was Mark, at Ruptured Duck, who said it was the best and worst. <laughs> Thanks for looking that up for us. The only, um, the only thing that can be said about my accent is a female American journalist asked me my name, and I said Matthew, and she went, Bob! Bob! Wow. She got Bob from Matthew, that's wow. how And then she ridiculous. mimicked the British accent for the rest of the conversation. Did she, uh, she, she, she was actually, lovely, wasn't she? She, was, she probably did the best British accent I've heard of any American I think we should game. get her on the podcast if we see her again. She Absolutely. moonlights at Starbucks as well, for getting people's names wrong. That's not, a, that's not a joke. That's just, she moonlights at Starbucks. This is the second time we've had an hour you've swung and missed being on. Uh, so we're all feeling uh, a little tired today still, but I think everyone's got it a bit more together probably than we did last night when we were recording the podcast. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, it's about uh, half five as we speak now on Radio Row, and most of Radio Row has already emptied out as it stands. So Apart from the beautiful figure of Jeff Reinbold, who I can see in the distance. Oh, he's, about so, he's so orange as he, well. He he's as orange as your, your microphone. He's probably had a, a week in Hawaii before coming out here. Not the bad. Rolls, Not it? bad at all. And uh, we'll talk about Radio Row and the people we spoke to there. And, and Liam and Ollie went out and went and saw the Panthers and the Broncos, chatted to some of the players there, uh, and uh, got a general feel for how those camps are doing. So we'll get onto all of that as well. But should we start by talking about some actual NFL news? Let's do that. <laughs> is there actually Thanks, Matt, Jerry. anything else other than us all being here? Is there any other news? Manzel. Manzel, yeah. Oh, well, let's, let's, uh, let's roll through it. My, uh, Johnny Manzel is the first. Bit of news we'll get to. The Cleveland Browns have essentially announced that they will cut him the moment they are allowed to on March the 9th. <laughs> it really is that. They, they essentially said, uh, we'll deal with that situation as soon as the league rules allow us. <laughs> Saying basically, we'd cut him today if we could, but we're not allowed to yet, so we'll cut him on March the 9th What's instead. What's the over and under on how many times Johnny gets pissed before they, uh, before they actually pull the trigger? Well, if they've already said they're going to cut him, he doesn't need to act up anymore. He's going to get to leave. He's going to get to move to the... Be, to the Cowboys. The facility every day from now gonna... <laughs> Studying hey, the Cowboys playbook. <laughs> Is he going to go to the Cowboys? Is that the, the 
the likely or best destination for him? I think that's my speculation. Hugh Jackson <laughs> wants nothing to do with him. Jerry Jones is uh, the greatest GM in football, and who else would do a better job of making Johnny Manziel uh, or Manziel? How do you pronounce it? I don't know. <laughs> Some... No, you specifically, not general. Most people try to say Johnny Manziel. Manziel. Fine, I think. good. Uh, Manziel. We've had some interesting pronunciations from Ollie in general this week. Why? Eh? Uh, <laughs> we had some terrible impressions of Matt Sherry as yeah. well. Uh, we had Roger Goodell talking about the PAT, saying that moving the PAT is uh, has achieved exactly what they wanted, which is the Patriots <laughs> not in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, his quote was, "It's achieved exactly what we wanted." I'm like, oh. Roger, I'm not sure you intended this, but you appear to have suggested that you didn't want the Patriots of making the Super Bowl. And uh, he would be right. Uh, we also had Mark Davis saying that he wanted the Raiders to play in Oakland in 2016. I mean, I didn't think he had the option. <laughs> There's nowhere else for them to play. Yeah. It's either Oakland or no, not playing at all, Mark. What about the Anchorage Raiders? That would be good. We, we had a really terrible... The Honolulu Raiders. Uh, Raiders. Raiders. I like the Honolulu Raiders. Raiders Honolulu Raiders would be brilliant. We, uh, we had a really good long chat with Sam Farmer earlier on of yeah. the LA Times, who is obviously the knowledge on NFL moving to Los Angeles and uh, we're gonna, what we're going to do is because we're also going to have Jackie Slater on later this week uh, Hall of Fame lineman for the Rams and on Friday morning Todd Gurley we'll probably yeah. put that one into the podcast anyway because it's a good interview but we, we've got we're going to get so much LA Rams stuff we'll do a, an LA move special after the Super Bowl yeah. because basically we're going to be desperate for content for a couple of weeks up until we get to the combine and everything else uh, and the final bit of news I just wanted to mention well we, we had Justin Tuck announcing his retirement after 11 years but we're going to speak to OC Humanura tomorrow so uh, once we've spoken to OC we'll get his feelings on Justin yep. Tuck so there's no need for us to lament and talk about how wonderful his career was uh, the Eagles they've signed Vinnie Curry to a 47.25 million five year deal and this is now the third massive contract that the Eagles have given out in this offseason for, I mean Brent Selleck got a fairly big deal as well so they've given out four why do they give Brent Selleck and Zach Ertz a big deal because <laughs> crazy isn't it yeah. I mean the Vinnie Curry one is the one that actually makes sense they've got him on a decent rate he is very much one of the ascending pass rushers in the entire NFL um, the rest of them are just mind-boggling, especially But he, but he dropped Johnson. from nine sacks in 2014 to three and a half in 2015. Yeah, but he, he is a good player. I mean, sack, sack totals can be misleading. He, he's a really good player. Your other bit of news is uh, Lady Gaga will sing the national anthem. That's a weird choice. That's clearly Super Bowl 50. Let's get the biggest name that we can find. Well, I, Lady she's Gaga's got a, got a great voice. She's got, she? a, she's got a fantastic you, voice. She's got a great voice. If you've not heard the a cappella version of Poker Face, she's Brilliant. Isn't, when you say a cappella version, is that one of those ones where they, like, not actually they've sung it a cappella, but somebody's just stripped all the music no, out? No, 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 no. Left only it's, the voice. It's, um, I think it's like a, a Radio 1, wherever they, you know, what's yeah, that? Live, live Lounge thing. And she did a, a Live Lounge version of uh, Poker Face, and it's brilliant. She's got a great voice. I'm really what looking forward lovely, to it. a lovely, lovely voice. Cracking pipes, Gaga, cracking pipes. Massive nose. Liam Blackburn, any thoughts on any of this? He's clearly filing copy yet again <laughs> instead yeah. of paying attention to the podcast. Um, when you started talking about Lady Gaga, I thought this is a good idea to get a quick par out. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's absolutely fair. So we need to talk to you two guys now because we're going to talk about Radio Row in a little while. We had uh, great interviews all round today. But uh, in particular, we spoke with... I'm trying to find it now. Have you forgotten his name again? No, I haven't forgotten anyone's name. Thank you. 
Uh, we had on, I'm trying, yeah, I've forgotten everyone we had on, but uh, we're going to hear from uh, Brian Baldinger, the uh, NFL Network analyst and former lineman, Kelvin Beecham, left tackle of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Marvin Fleming, Packers and Dolphins tight end, the man who's won the most titles of any NFL player of all time. And wasn't frightened to tell us how much better he was than Rob Gronkowski. Which was cracking. And, uh, and he Vance, would be right. Vance Johnson, former Broncos wide receiver as well, who... Uh, played with Elway, played with Kubiak, had a lot of thoughts on the team now, so that was really interesting. We've got loads of other really good stuff as well. We spoke with Jim Stuckey, formerly of the 49ers. We spoke with Sam Farmer, as we mentioned already. And so there's loads of other stuff we'll bring you at a later date. But that's just coming in this podcast. It's going to be loaded with great interviews. But Liam Blackburn, engaged now. Uh, Ollie Hunter, you, you went under that for Somebody uh, better tell Harry. <laughs> Whoa. When I handed you the ring earlier... Is you, it, you is this why yes. you're suddenly taking interest in me? Because uh, I'm engaged all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm only interested in the married ones. Um, uh, you guys went off to Panthers and Broncos today. Talk us a little bit through where you went, what you did, what the vibe was, everything else. Uh, yes, we got the bus this morning at about 9am. Transit to... talk, this is what I was hoping for. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I sat, uh, there was nobody sat next to me. Um, we got to the... Uh, <laughs> I slept on my bus. Yeah? Didn't, didn't even know where he was? No, I didn't go on a bus today. We got to the... Yeah. Uh, Hashtag uh, the, bus The listeners can't hear you. Shake your head. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt I like thought a, you were the guy who did this a for stun, a stun silence. Uh, anyway, less of the journey, more of the destination. We arrived at the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Marriott Hotel. Classic in, burn. <laughs> we arrived at the... Marriott Hotel in Santa Clara, which is where the Broncos are staying, which is just a stone throw away from Levi Stadium. Uh, in between, was the stadium looking resplendent on it this was, slightly dreary, grey? Yeah, it, it was no, no, sunny. You could, it was sunny yeah, by you then. Do well, we think yeah. that's what Liam says to his girlfriend? Less of the journey, more of the destination, please. Uh, Beyonce, please. Are <laughs> oh, you engaged? I, I, thought you, I thought you just meant to see, ask her if it's resplendent or not. <laughs> or could, can you see it? <laughs> Excellent. Not, not can anyway. you feel it? <laughs> God. I'm oh, sorry, that's you. Every, every <laughs> time you can just see <laughs> Anyway, um, so they were uh, the media... Uh, activity was in a big tent uh, just outside the theme park which is in front of Levi Stadium and outside of the Marriott Hotel um, just so you know that theme park is meant to be dreadful really yeah. there's, a, there's, really a, there's cool. a theme park right next to Denver Stadium as well that must be kind of a common NFL thing and next to Dallas Stadium Jerry World oh, yeah. so so I, I think people need to forget the idea of a uh, of building a franchise in London and just put it at Alton Towers. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you know that when Disney World Paris or Disneyland Paris this was be good. being built in Paris... I've got a feeling it's not going to be good. What, Disneyland Paris the, building the, Paris? The, you've, got that really? look of, you've got that look about you that you've got an absolutely terrible <laughs> anecdote here that no one's going to be interested. If you when want to stop talking now, Will. He's got his elbow bent in a matter-of-fact <laughs> way. Look, he's going for it. He put the finger up. When Euro Disney was down to its two finalists for where to put Euro Disney it was Paris or Corby Northamptonshire and we were right that is one of the worst wow. factoids I have ever heard did you know Corby Northamptonshire has more Scottish people in it than Edinburgh 
Just, just stop, Ricard. But it's more true. Of a, more where, of the where's your where's where's tumbleweed? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot the iPad today, so there's going to be none of the none of the drums. I apologise. Right, okay, for that. carry on. Let's try to finish Liam's segment now without any more ludicrous. <laughs> Completely forgot what happened this morning, though. Um, you were at Santa Clara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we, we were in a, a tent for the uh, for the media section, and basically. Um, Gary Kubiak does 15 minutes at the start and then you have 10 players all gathered around in a sort of to the side uh, and basically the attention that Manning got was I'd say there's probably three times as many people as was what Kubiak had which is crazy really when you consider yeah. a head coach a lot of people didn't bother going to Kubiak's yeah. presser and just wanted to bag a space in front of Manning yeah. and it was actually really interesting with Manning he was um, sort, of, sort of a bit hunched uh, sat down behind a desk uh, loads and loads of people around him quite softly spoken as well I suppose there was a lot of people in front of him so it was kind of difficult to, to speak up but the difference and uh, Nick Kaspazniak is that his name? <laughs> Your second name pronunciations are <laughs> absolutely appalling. Shapanik. Oh, him. Nick Shapanik uh, from The Times. He, he, he pointed this out. <laughs> Not that the paper he's from either. <laughs> that's what it says on his thing. Okay, fine. Yeah, on his, on his media pass. He says it for The yeah. Times as well. Oh, no, he, oh. Does the, he does it for other people as well this time, but he's always done it for The Times. All right, can you speak closer to the microphone? As I've already requested more than once, Matt well, Why don't you get closer to the microphone? I'm, I'm perfectly fine yeah, where okay. I am. Anyway, continue. So, so Nick uh, pointed out that the way that Cam was, and it was a very similar deal uh, for, for the Panthers. They were at um, their sort of complex, I think it was a hotel, livery of um, NFL. What was Ollie doing as you arrived? Well, how little attention was he paying to the location you arrived well, at to it, not know what it was? But there was NFC. He was sleepwalking when he walked in. <laughs> there was <laughs> NFC championship banners everywhere, champions banners everywhere. And... Um, the difference between Peyton and Cam, Cam was, they said, right, Cam, there's too many people who want to talk to you. We're going to put you up on the podium where uh, Ron Rivera was. And, you know, he's, Cam's massive. 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six, 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 resplendent up there. Honestly, he looked incredible. And <laughs> it was, the, the difference between him and Peyton Manning was night and shade. He was night and day. He was, uh, yeah. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> we've, 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 just had, we've, we've just had the Broncos media availability through for tomorrow, and Peyton Manning is doing the podium and not doing the one-on-one stand that never yeah, really worked. Seen, so and that's it, it no was, surprise. It was really frustrating it. as well from a media point of view, and I know the listeners will not care about this in the slightest, but I'm going to moan anyway. In that, because he was there, everyone was congregated in that room, and it was very difficult to actually speak to anyone else because of the. I, I put a video on Twitter of just the, the, the scrums around every single player that there was and, and I think the Panthers did it better because they took Cam out of the way and kind of people were able to talk more to people like Kurt Coleman mm. and, and Shaq Thompson. Some really interesting stuff from Cam. He said that uh, Mike Shuler was like, is his secret weapon of why he's so good and he's like a, a, a father figure to him. And he said the, the continuity of having of, of uh, Rivera, uh, Shuler and everyone else coming in there at the same time as Cam did, you know, ha- that's why we're seeing the fruits of all of that labor now. And it's really interesting that Cam is, is not putting it all on him. Actually, he, was, he praised everybody on that, on that team. He said that uh, special teams have played out of their skin, defense have, and offense have. And actually, in the truth is, and I said it yesterday, 
Cam's made all of those. His play has made all of those guys. Better yeah, and this interestingly, year. that's what the same thing we heard from Balding, and that's the same thing we heard from uh, three or four people who came round to see us today when talking about Cam. They talked about how he'd elevated the play of the defence and the special teams, and those guys who he's not necessarily on the field with, but he was performing at such a high level, he was helping those other guys as well. And if you're interested in hearing from Mike Schuler, if you head to audioboom.com forward slash gridiron, there was uh, Liam Blackburn and Matt Sherry's chat with Mike Schuler is up there in full from yesterday. I, I didn't chat with him. Otherwise, that was a perfect segue. Damn it! Um, just, just going back to the Panthers is one other thing I wanted to uh, to point out. Speaking to uh, Michael Lua and Kurt Coleman, um, they both talked about how the recruitment process of Carolina and helping them settle in, they, they were made to feel so loved by Rivera, Gettleman and, and other teammates. I mean, Cam really pushed hard to get Ur back at his, his left tackle position um, when he was basically unwanted after being cut by Tennessee. Um, and Dave Gettleman wrote handwritten letters to all of the 53 players that were on the active roster. I know it might sound like a really small thing, but you've got guys who, who haven't succeeded elsewhere, kind of unwanted guys who've come in and, and are made to sort of, you know, arm around the shoulder, made to feel loved, and it's it's helped them reignite their careers and, and play the best stuff of their career. It's interesting you talk about Michael Lurie, and I think this might be a really good point to go to our interview with Brian Balding. I've done today on Radio Row, uh, me and Matt Sherry chat to him, the NFL Network analyst, former lineman of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, amongst other. Uh, he was It was a really great chat in general, but specifically we talked about the Panthers line versus the Broncos D line and vice versa as well. Uh, and so let's hear from Baldy now, and then we'll come back and finish off your round the uh, grounds chat. It's not really round the grounds, is it? Right in the hotels. Round the com- pounds. Really delighted to be joined now on Radio Row by uh, the brilliant Brian Balding. Uh, Brian, first of all, can we call you Baldy? Uh, please, Excellent. I insist. That's the first thing I wanted to make sure I could do. So Baldy, uh, how are you enjoying your Super Bowl 50 experience so far? Well, I just, uh, you know, I just uh, flew in from Hawaii last night. So I was just sort of uh, hit early this morning with this whole media blitz. So I'm doing fine, you know, but I've also been on the beach for five straight days. So, you know, I'm, I'm rested and I'm ready to go. As I say, it looks like a decent tan. That's all from Hawaii then, not from That's all Hawaii, no. <laughs> no, I was out on this uh, paddleboard. You ever paddleboarded before? No. It's not easy for 260-pound men <laughs> to paddleboard in big waves. So, what about 300-pound men? <laughs> well, it's even worse. But I'll say this. I, I feel like I played a game. I know that. My body's sore. But it was fun. So, I mean, obviously, uh, the UK fans will be familiar with you, both from your playing career in the NFL, but also all your work on NFL Network. And I know you guys are doing a lot of coverage down here. So, uh, simply, how do you see this weekend going? What would be your thoughts on uh, on the game? Well, I've been in love with the Carolina Panthers all year. Um, I just thought that they play the game like a, a, like a team. Like they're just a true team. And then the quarterback just kept getting better and better and better. And to the point where he's definitely going to win the MVP award on Saturday night and he's the most confident football player I think I've ever seen I mean he flashes that million watt smile of his and <laughs> just go okay we're going to win this game and I saw it a couple times this year and they either start fast and they just you know they just basically run you right out of the gym or you know if you give them the ball on the final drive he's going to go down and, and score so you know, they're 17 and 1 and he's the best player in the league right now. How much would you have loved to have blocked for him, considering his scrambling steals, his ability in the pocket? It must be a joy to be on that line. Well, it makes you, you know, I was an average guy, you know, just an average Joe. Hey, but, uh, you know, no one's saying that around here. We're all big fans. Yeah, but I, you can still be a fan. I'm just saying, like, he makes everybody better. You know, I'm, I mean, I don't think I was going to get to the Pro Bowl with Cam Newton, but 
you know, you look at guys like um, Michael Orr was yeah. given up for in Baltimore and Tennessee, and here he is. Nobody even says a word about him anymore, you know. And you look at a guy like Michael Remmers, the right tackle, and people they weren't really sure who he is, or Trey Turner out of LSU. And all these guys look like they're really good players right now. It's a big part of his scheme and, and all of that. Do they make him? Does he make them good enough? Considering Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, those other guys off the edge, that brilliant Broncos defense and the pass rush, they brought so much pressure with just three or four guys. Like, uh, well, two weeks ago mm-hmm. now, I guess. Are they good enough to face up against that? That's the question. Well, I think so because they're not going to throw it sixty times the way Tom Brady did. They're going to run it, and that's what they do. And they 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 execute. They bounce it up real good. They don't beat themselves. They don't turn the ball over for the most part, and they put it in his hands every play. And if you got a yard to go, he's going to, you know, play Superman. If you put him on the goal line, he's going to find a way to get the ball in the end zone. And there's just some things that Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware, you know, it's a little easier chasing Tom Brady's not going anywhere. But they're going to have to stop their running game, which no team has been able to stop yet. You mentioned kind of how Carolina will run the ball. New England had no interest in running the ball whatsoever. I mean... You've been in that situation on the line. How much does it slow the pass rush down when there's a running game that you have to be accounting for first before you can even think about getting to the passer? Well, I mean, you can't just rush the passer with no regard from the run. So yep. that's that changes. So you're not going to get the same jump that they got against New England. You're going to see better a better offense line than New England's. Yeah. And you're going to see a running game that's the most creative and difficult to stop in the league. And, and it's a lot of misdirection. It's a lot of basically magician's sleight of hand stuff. I think Cam Newton's the best ball handler in the league. You really, at any point, sometimes don't know who has the ball or who's getting the ball. And, and what, what's interesting to me with that running game is it's kind of concepts that go date back as far back as the 1920s that they're suddenly implementing in an NFL scheme that we've never seen before. I mean, that... I, it's the number How of heavy set lines they have, yeah. the tight ends in, the fullbacks. And I think the really good comparison for me is the Seattle game because it's a similar kind of defense that yep. brings pressure with just their front. And they got dominated by mm-hmm. the Panthers' front. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, it does. I mean, there's really nothing new under the sun. They're taking wing T concepts yep. with three backs in the backfield. They're taking, you know, the, the same things that the academy does with all of their misdirection. And they've combined it now into a real NFL offense. And, you know, Jonathan Stewart is a typical guy to tackle, but if you're just throwing arms at him because you're late getting there, or if you're throwing play action off it, um, every week I see one or two new plays or new wrinkles off the play that teams seem to be struggling with, whether it's reverses or fake reverses or all these other elements that they're doing. They're going to have two weeks to get ready, and, you know, they're going to – Give them something else to think about. Uh, what interests me with that is a lot of people have said in the past that you can't run that kind of offense in the NFL. Does it take a unique guy like Cam, 250 pounds, great athletic ability to run that kind of offense? And is it is it going to be a trend or is it more just a case that Cam is such a unique, special talent That's a good that question. he can make it work? I think you sort of answered your own question in a little ways. <laughs> I, I do, but, I, but I'll say this. Like any kid... That's watching Cam Newton right now. That's you know 16 years old, and yep. he's you know he's he's growing, and you know he's going to be a big kid. You know his dad was an athlete, whatever. You know, and he, if he's going to be if at 21, 20 years old, he's going to be six six, two forty, two fifty. Maybe he doesn't go play defensive end. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't go try to play in the NBA and yep. go play college basketball. Maybe they put the best athlete 
at quarterback. Yeah. And they teach them how to throw the ball. Like, that's going to change. Yeah. So, I believe that more kids that size or near that size or even bigger are going to go to quarterback now. And you'll start seeing more guys in college, like Cardell Jones at Ohio State. Yeah. You'll start seeing more guys like that rather than playing, you know, outside linebacker or defensive end or on the, on the basketball team, that's where they're going to go. And, and what, what interests me that I've not heard mentioned a lot this week is the matchup of Denver's offensive line, which has definitely been probably their weak spot this season and still isn't fully kind of playing well as a unit despite the, the difficulty teams some teams have with Kubiak's blocking scheme against that Carolina, especially inside. The interior of that line's amazing. How do you see that matchup shaking out? I think it's going to be a long, hard day for Denver. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really do. I, I mean, Star Latulale and Quan Short were drafted the same year, one and two, and they, uh, you, they're immovable objects, plus they can rush the passer, and they protect the best linebacker in football, Luke Kuechly, and when you don't block him, he makes every tackle. Yeah. He, nobody covers ground like him. We've never, outside of Ray Lewis in his prime, we've never seen an inside linebacker play like that. And he literally knows where everybody's supposed to be. I mean, he might be the smartest defensive player in the league. He gets everybody lined up, gets them in a position, and he is something to watch. And if his partner with a broken arm is anywhere near what he usually is, that's the best tandem in the league right now. Yeah, and, and, and also that Carolina have that luxury of having four or five guys on the edge that can rotate in and out. And, and that's tricky as well because you're always going up against a guy who's fresh. Yeah. Well, they're going to rotate those guys. You know, Mario Addison, uh, you know, Charles Johnson, all those guys are going to rotate in there. They all get a chance to play. Um, they keep them fresh, right? They, they rotate seven defensive linemen. And it doesn't really matter who's in there, but that Quan Short, though, he's, he's a difference maker inside yeah. now. There's no doubt. There we, I saw a great thing about Quan Short where they were talking about how he's as wide-hipped as uh, Terrence Knighton. And yet the gaps that he can hit and get through are just absolutely really, I mean, if you're a lineman and you're coming up against a guy who's that athletic but also that size. How do you even begin to deal with that? Well, it's not really fair. You know? <laughs> it's not fair. So um, sometimes you just sort of hang on and hope the ball's gone in three seconds. Because if you're holding it long in three seconds, you're probably going to get trucked. So, and he's a good, he's a talented kid, man. I mean, you know, he's got some array of pass rush moves and all that, but um, that's a long, hard day inside. I mean, Evan Mathis, if he's that left guard, he's going to see a lot of Kawan short. Um, Evan Mathis is is a Pro Bowl player. He's a tough kid. It's a long, but it's still it's a tough assignment. I, I love all this line talk. This is great. Yeah, this it is, is, it the is. best thing about being at the Super Bowl is that we can get to talk about this <laughs> stuff, and people don't get annoyed that we're not talking about the stars. Yeah, and, and Evan Mathis is an interesting one because he he kind of tailed in the middle of the year and was out of the lineup very fleet. But he's actually been really good down the stretch, mm -hmm. and particularly in the playoffs. He's going to be as, as the real veteran guy in that line, a key guy for Denver. I think, well, he also me? played for Carolina. Yeah. They let him go. Yeah. So, you know, paybacks in this role, we know what that is. I don't know <laughs> if I can say it on your station. Uh, yeah, I, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm sure he's going to look at that uh, Carolina blue and go, All right, I'm over here on the other side now, guys. Uh, you know, and I've, I was in the Pro Bowl for two straight years, and, you know, I, he battled some injuries this year, and obviously things didn't work out in Philadelphia with him and Chip Kelly, but you got a chance here to, uh, you know, to bring home, you know, the bacon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian, obviously, uh, I, 
we flew in yesterday afternoon. I probably literally about 24 hours from uh, from now that we flew in and, and ended up going straight to media day mm -hmm. and then going out for a couple of beers afterwards because we're British and that's what we basically that is do. What we do. Yes. Uh, it's what we're best and at. And I'd be I very disappointed you. if you didn't <laughs> and stop that habit. But it's meant that today I have felt uh, lethargic, a decrease yeah. in strength or endurance and maybe that's not related to my jet lag. There no. could be another reason for that. No, it could be uh, your, your, your testosterone scores. Yeah, I mean, low T is... is the name of the center is you go to a low T center, get your blood tested. Uh, whether you have two pints in you or not, it's all right. The blood will thin itself out. And you can find out what you're deficient in if you are, whether it's your testosterone, your PSA, you know, your cholesterol, your blood sugar, all those things come up on a score. And if you're in the danger area, regardless of what your, your age is, there's things that you can take and supplement with to get those scores back into the healthy zones where you don't feel lethargic, where you feel like going out for a couple pints at the end of the day, you know? <laughs> Go back to having the fun that you're supposed to have. <laughs> uh, particularly when you're, uh, say, a former NFL player and, and you've been so used to that hard-hitting action all the time and then you you go i mean i'm sure you find thrills in in what you do now but it, do you find that that's something that you need to keep attention on and make sure you keep those energy levels up well i don't live a dull life <laughs> and i've got a younger girlfriend you know and so i you know i still want to keep her happy i like her so uh i don't know if i love her but i like her a lot you know <laughs> so uh but um and she'll be in town on thursday so you know i like to have a little bit of time you know with tina and so, anyways, uh, all those things can be addressed. And so that you don't have to uh, be just a complete couch potato if you don't want to. So, to find your nearest Low T Center, visit lowtcenter.com. And, Baldy, finally, prediction for this weekend. I feel like I can feel which direction you're yeah. going in, but uh, what would you reckon? Well, I'm looking at Jonathan Stewart running the ball under his left arm, and I'm looking at Luke Keekley, who's looking for another Bronco to go hit. And I feel like both those guys are going to have a lot of success. I, I love the Carolina Panthers in this game. Great stuff, Baldy. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, man. Thanks. All right, Brian Baldinger there, NFL Network analyst, former lineman in the league as well. I know, really great, really good fun chatting with him um, and uh, chatting again afterwards as well. Was it, was it Baldinger who talks about having a, a, a formerly having... No, that was uh, the, the, the Packers guy, Marv Fleming, talking about his girlfriend in Manchester that he had. Who was talking about Bolton? Someone came over and they had like family that in Bolton. That was Farmer, wasn't it? Was that Sam Farmer? Yeah. Brilliant. Good. So uh, none of them were Brian Baldinger and this has no relevance to the interview we've just listened to. So we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to break down a part of this Super Bowl in a short while. But uh, hearing, you're hearing what they're saying about the Panthers. What about the Broncos? Because other than the Manning stuff, did you get a chance to speak to any of the other players or hear what they had to say? Was there anything else in particular that stood out to you guys? Yeah, I found that um, the... Broncos were very businesslike. Yeah. Kubiak was businesslike. Uh, had a quick chat with CJ Anderson. Um, I forgot to record, press the record button, but I asked him what it's like as a. Why have we said that? I know. <laughs> he can't record on his device and he forgets to press the button. I think you should go. What's. Uh, what, yeah, what's. It? I don't have to spend all day with you. Two bits. I, I asked CJ. Uh, <laughs> Oddie would love that. Listen, guys, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say something and you're, you're just messing it up. Classic Oddie line. Carry on. Yeah, and Ollivander. Uh, so, uh, CJ Anderson. CJ Anderson. Another pill. Um, and Emmanuel, San Emmanuel Sanders, both of them really businesslike. Um, Emmanuel Sanders actually was asked, what do you think this means to Peyton Manning winning the Super Bowl? And he said, look, it means a lot to him, but we want to make it happen for him. They, they want to send... It felt like they want to send him out on a high. Uh, 
I know we haven't had any official word or any any official line yet, but it it does seem like the whole team is pulling together for that to happen for for Peyton to to win that second Super Bowl ring. But I don't know whether you agree with me, Liam. It was very businesslike. They 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 learnt from the lessons. Uh, they learnt from two years ago, and that you know, and uh, they want to obviously come out as winners rather than losers this time. Yeah, I, th- I think going back to the environment in terms of the amount of people that were there and the fact that questions were answered as concisely as possible as well because there were so many people to go around didn't help but it definitely seemed like they were they were really really focused um there was a lot of love for wade phillips as you can imagine um spotted later than the day and in an out burger <laughs> just uh, just an incredible guy and, the, and the, the type of coach that all the players seem to to gravitate towards and and, and get behind um and yeah, it was it was very it was very different to media day. And media day, you sort of asked about anything and everything, whereas there were a lot more technical questions today. With Derek Wolf going into Von Miller's pass rushing technique, um, talking about how Carolina have an advantage in the run game because they leave an extra person in to block. Um, I rather liked your chat with Akib Talib as well when you asked him about the underdogs and, and yeah, such. Yeah, he like. didn't really understand. <laughs> he didn't, but, he, but he didn't quite understand it. But. Um, you know the the way he responded to that sort of line of questioning that was all very interesting as well and it, it they they kind of see themselves as underdogs but actually i don't think they do i think they 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 know that they can beat the panthers and they yeah. they're back in i think i think the thing with talib is there i basically it was pointed out that they are the the underdogs going into sunday's game and he basically said well that's the experts you know that's their view and and we were kind of like well do you think their view's wrong? And and obviously he knows if he says, yeah, it's a disgrace, we should be favourites, then our headlines are, Akib Tlaib says we should be favourites, experts are wrong, we're out to prove them wrong. And it's very much, and Akib Tlaib's quite an outspoken person anyway, but it seems like they are very much, you know, we want to do business right, we don't want to cause any commotion, we just want to get this thing in and get but it done. But that's one of the things we love about the Panthers, is that they yeah, are a bit yeah, more outgoing and a bit more forward, and, and all this stuff we're hearing this week about the Thieves Avenue stuff. And but like, it, but it, it appears like that is Denver's mantra this week in terms of, we're going to be business-like, we're going to approach this but yeah, without if the, causing if any the, commotion. If the Panthers lose on Sunday, and then they're back here either, or back to the Super Bowl next year or the year after, like the Broncos are, I'd expect them to be far more reserved as well. It's their first time here. A lot of the um, the Broncos are coming back here for the second time. They know the pain of losing in a Super Bowl. They know what they did wrong the first time round. And I think that's what the yeah. lessons that they're learning this time. And I, I also think it, it, it's the, the Panthers' ideology, the whole um, having fun and, and speaking their minds. That kind of allows them to play the way they do as well. So that works for them and, and Denver hoping that their way works for them. A man that knows about losing Super Bowls was someone who we spoke to earlier. A horrible way to segue to his interview. Don't ruin but it. But a member of the Three Amigos and a guy who lost three Super Bowls in his time with Denver catching passes off uh, 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 off of John Elway, of course, now the GM, is Vance Johnson. He was around earlier on today. Really interesting chat with him. He's obviously a very religious man. He, he, you know, he said he felt blessed. He wants to be a pastor, but he, he talked a lot about the time what that's type of pastor? pastor a pastor not not a pastor like the incredible pastor that <laughs> you 
twirly. make it at home, obviously. Absolutely. Um, uh, does it want to be those shells or the twirly ones? I, I also <laughs> saw um, Cerner Prayer before his lunch, so yeah, exactly. he's a very he's, kind uh, of spiritual, religious guy. Master chant. But he, <laughs> he had uh, a lot of really interesting things to say about the Bronx. Obviously, he's a guy who knows Elway, knows Kubiak, spent time with them. Talked about the last time he spoke to John Elway in any real depth, which was when he first came GM and cut Tim Tebow. And he said, as a Christian man, I spoke to John about his <laughs> decision, which I, I liked. It was fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, really good chat with Vance. And the so, Lord uh, will smite you. Well, I think the Elway response that you'll hear is fantastic as well, which is... Well, let's hear from now Vance Johnson down on Radio Road. Okay, great. So we're uh, down on Radio Road, joined by former wide receiver of the Denver Broncos, Vance Johnson. Vance, how are you doing today, sir? Brother, I'm doing well. I'm blessed. How are you? Yeah, well, I, I think blessed the as UK. well. Yeah, we're feeling still a little bit tired, a little bit jade-lagged, but we're uh, we're getting there. We're uh, starting to wake up a little bit at Welcome this point. Welcome to San Francisco. In fact, you guys had to go not only to, like, New York, but you had to go across to... Uh, all the way across That's in right. one shot, 11 hours <laughs> yesterday. I think we did 30 straight hours yeah. awake. So we, we're getting there. We'll be okay, fine. Good. We'll, we'll be all right. I've, I've, been, uh, I've been here a little while longer. I was in Denver for the championship you're game. You were in Denver. Yeah. So you, you were there when it, it was cold then? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't for no? the championship game. It was game. nice for the championship great. game. That's right. Yeah, it was really good. So, so Vance, I mean, you're a guy who went to, to three of these game just talk to us about as a player what's it like on Super Bowl week I mean you see around here Super Bowl 50 there's thousands of people here already and it's only the start of the week what's it like the interesting thing about this is Radio Row wasn't quite like this when I was playing in the league however it was still one of the biggest games in the world and uh, playing back in the 80s with John Elway had a chance to be a part of three Super Bowls with the great John Elway and Gary Kubiak by the way yeah and uh, we played against the uh, Washington Redskins against the uh, Giants and against the San Francisco 49ers all of which unfortunately I lost against but it was a blessing to be in my 20s and, and be a part of a great organization like the Denver Broncos and just be in the Super Bowl hey you brought it up I wasn't gonna mention the losses but uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been hearing a lot about it everyone likes it especially right now because the Broncos are going in as the underdog yep. you know they're playing against a great quarterback in Cam Newton so no one's really having the faith that the Broncos with the elderly uh, Peyton Manning is gonna be able to go out there and come up with a victory but I seem to think different and I, and you mentioned Gary Kubiak there what was he like as a player in terms of did and, and John as well who's obviously gone into as a personal executive did did you get the feeling that those guys would do what they've done after playing in, in football? Absolutely. During my career, I always knew because of the type of uh, guy John Elway was, that he was in this for a lifetime. Yeah. And if you go back and look at his career, he's probably one of the other, other only quarterbacks that didn't renegotiate his contract. And I think because he's always been a part owner of the Broncos secretly. Uh, so, and, and they were just kind of gearing him yeah. up to do something like this. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to be a pastor here uh, soon. And so when I look at being a pastor, I'm looking at being a leader. And when I think about being a leader, I think about John Elway and the type of leader he was when I played football with him and now that he's in this position as general manager and he's had a chance to bring his old friend and, and teammate Gary Kubiak who was a fantastic uh, leader when he was playing as well I don't see any reason why with those two put together in a Manning we won't come up with a victory this weekend and when we talk about Peyton Manning and his legacy and his you mentioned it yourself already his age now we know John uh, he missed out on those three occasions but he won too late in his he career and, and this would obviously be a second for Peyton how big do you think it is for his legacy and for and for John's as well as the owner because that would be huge for him I think it's really big and, and Peyton's a great quarterback you know and, and he'll, he'll go down in history as being one of the greatest quarterbacks in the regular season in history yeah. now what is he going to do in the Super Bowl I, I think this year I was a little concerned initially uh, in the beginning of the season I didn't think he can hold out 
but then when he had a couple of the injuries and he came back with fresh legs and looked really good in the playoffs. And as we all know, defense wins world championships. So hopefully Peyton can go out there. He can't score the 40 points like he used to in his, in his career, but now he just has to go out there and make the plays that he has to make to hopefully be in a chance in a position to win the ball game at the end of the, at the, end of the game. And look, I said I actually wasn't going to mention the, the big ones. Your first Super Bowl, I think it was, Super Bowl 21. Yep, 21. You went Giants. Uh, 121 odd yards and a touchdown. Wow, you did your research, how, brother. It's how, been years. How, how, what's it like as a player? You go into a game that big, you have a, perform, a career performance and then you come out with a consolation. It's got to be tough. Well, the interesting thing, before the game, you know, the, uh, Disney World comes and they have you sign a contract. If, you, if, you get, if you're MVP, you get to come out and say, what are you doing after the game? I'm going to Disney World, you know, but the, obviously that didn't happen for me. And I probably would have been the runner-up, I think, in that game because Elway, he played his heart out as well. And I had a chance to do like not very many ball players do when you get a chance to even make it to the Super Bowl, and that's to make a touchdown. So I actually had that football in the, in the uh, Hall of Fame right now because I was one of the people that did score a touchdown in the, in, the, uh, in the Super Bowl. It was a great feeling. I remember when I was a child, when I was standing on the sideline before the game thinking, this is a place I've always wanted to be since I was seven years old, and now here I am. Unfortunately, we lost, but not very many people even make it to the Super Bowl. And I mean, we're talking a lot about the Broncos, obviously, as a former Bronco. But when you look at what the Panthers have done this season, and as a wide receiver yourself, and a group of guys, when Kelvin Benjamin went down, everyone wanted to say they've got no receivers. There's no way Cam's got no one to throw to. See what the guys like Ted Ginn and Philly Brown and those guys have done this year, and the way they've stepped up. How impressed are you with the, the receivers of the Panthers? Well, I, I think it's just like when John Elway was there. As long as you have a leader that believes in himself, you're going to be able to take players that are uh, don't have necessarily the ability that other great receivers may have but they're going to believe in themselves just like what what uh look at our our boy brady what he does with yeah, the guys with no names so and i think the way cam's playing and, and that superman that he is man he's just making a lot of things happen and he's going to play a, bit, a great ball game i just hope it's not too great that he'll beat the broncos yeah what's that like as a wide out when you kind of you, you i guess you've played with with multiple quarterbacks but when you've got one of those really special elite guys under center that must be Great as a wide receiver. You know, the interesting thing about Cam, too, is, uh, you know, he's played for a couple of years now, and he struggled early on, yeah. but he never changed his character. Yeah. And to see him become the leader that he is right now, he's obviously the, the, the legacy of, of what the NFL is going to be looking for as far as a, a quarterback. And I see a lot of years and a lot of world championships behind that guy's name. And I've got to ask, do you still keep in touch with Gary? Do you still keep in touch with John? Are you speaking to them in the build-up to this I week? I do. In fact, I, um, the last time I really had a, a serious conversation with John, though, was when he got rid of Tim Tebow. Because <laughs> Tim Tebow, he wasn't just the Broncos quarterback. He was America's quarterback. Yeah. And I'm a Christian, so I just really felt like the guy just really needed to have a chance to go out there and prove himself. But he said, listen, you are a Christian. You can marry my daughter, but you can't be my quarterback. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, but John, John's a great guy. He's, he's, a, he's a winner. And he's showing that as a general manager for the Denver Broncos. And now that he has Gary Kubiak there and he's bringing back a number of ball players that played back in our era just to be a part of the organization, they're going to be fine. They're going to be awesome uh, for a uh, lot of years. You mentioned John as a winner. What is it about him? Because he, he left football, had massive success as, a, as an automobile dealer and, and as a restaurant owner. Elway's is one of the most popular restaurants in Denver. And now he's successful once again brilliant at baseball and football what is it about this guy that makes him so special well i think that to see how special john elway is you have to go back to his childhood and see how his father raised him yeah and see how he was coached and watch how he was mentored yeah and he was raised and he was bred just to be what he's doing right now being a general manager and i would beg to say that john elway in the future will not only win as a general manager 
but he'll win as an owner. Mark my words. Wow. Yeah. Now uh, we we see a lot around the league nowadays. Uh, well, I think I guess all time, but. With the league's drug policies and we see the, the effect it can have on players and them getting banned and we see guys uh, who, like Alden Smith Josh here Gordon. in the Bay Area, Josh Gordon, but you personally, you work with addicts outside now, is that something that as a player you saw an area that you wanted to be involved in? Or? Well, that, 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 that takes me to my point that I'm here, it's, it's all about recovery for me. And I, unfortunately, during my career, was a casual user yeah. of uh, prescription pills and, and a lot of alcohol. And after my career was over with, I leaned more on drugs and alcohol. And then once I lost a son who was killed by a, a drunk driver, she ran him over. Uh, that was kind of my world. And so I leaned on drugs and alcohol to get away from the pain of being the man that I was supposed to be. And just like yourselves or people that you love or people that you know, we're all affected by someone, somewhere that is struggling in an addiction. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's drug, whether it's pornography, whether it's gambling, I promise you, and including the two of you that are interviewing me right now and, and thousands of listeners listening to you, we're all being affected. And it's, con it's controlling and destroying this world. And with myself being the poster boy of someone that struggled in addiction, I'm here to say that redemption is available, yeah. recovery is available, and all you need to do is hit that rock bottom, and if someone who loves you can get you the help you need, there is hope and there's a way. And at Behavioral Health of the Palm Beaches, they've been doing this now, coming to the Super Bowl for over seven years. I've only been sober for 29 months, but I'm able to be a part of something greater than myself. Whether it's just young men or older men or professional athletes around the country, we're mentoring these guys so we can show them the way to sobriety. If people want to find out more about what you're doing and, and particularly with post athletes and that sort of stuff, where can they find out about you it? Can, you can find us at bhpalmbeach.com. You can reach out to myself, Vance Johnson, uh, athlete, on my Facebook page. I'm talking to thousands of people all the time. We're getting people in to get help. And or you can uh, Twitter me at, uh, at VanceJohnson82. Always available. But bhpalmbeach.com. Pull us up on our Facebook page. You can see a little bit about our company, what we do. We're reaching out all over the world to help people. So we're available. Levant, I, I want to ask you for a prediction for this weekend. <laughs> but I've got a feeling I know which direction you're going to be leaning in. I think you know exactly where <laughs> I'm leaning at. I, I think if the Broncos are close and Cam doesn't score 20 or 30 points in the first half, the Broncos will come back and win this game or else I'm retiring. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> That's real pleasure. Have a good one. Thanks, uh, brother. Thanks. So uh, Vance Johnson there, wide receiver of the Denver so Broncos. And yeah, I think we should do what you just did off air, which was to repeat what he said, that John Elway's response when he questioned him cutting Tim Tebow was to say, he's a lovely guy, I'd let him marry my daughter, but he's not my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Good fake to laugh, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was funny second time around. It was still, yeah, it was, it was still, still funny. I was still, still, I was still riding that funny wave. I'm glad you were still tickled by that. So, uh, were there and, um, was there much else to report from today at the Panthers and Broncos? Did anything else stand yeah, out to you? a couple of things Rivera um, revealed that uh, both Jared, Jared Allen and Thomas Davis have, have been pretty much full practice uh, yesterday. Um, so, of course, Allen, a bit dodgy with his foot, said that he needed that extra six days um, sort of recovery time. But the fact that he is pushing himself and going back out to practice, that is spurring the other guys... Uh, in in that defense and that offense on, uh, you know, as a, as a as a beacon as a, an example of, of of trying to get back for the big game. Uh, Thomas Davis, again, it's still up in the air whether he, he'll play fully, but Rivera kind of thought that he would be back in and and uh, will be a lot of the a, a, a lot of that uh, Carolina defense. So there was one other interesting line from uh, Rivera on. 
Rivera, not Rivera. Yeah, I was wondering that, but I just let it go. Sorry, oh, guys. I said something. Riviera. <laughs> Rivera. Uh, on, um... Riviera about Ron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on, uh... Not bad for you, really. <laughs> on being, uh... Inter- I have my moments. Interviewing for the St. Louis Rams head coaching job, which would have been when Fisher got the gig. Two, three years ago? Three years ago? Yeah. Uh, and he was saying that, obviously, he thought he was ready for it at the time. Um, but now... 2006. 2006, was it 2006 yeah. before that? Okay. Yeah, 10 years ago. Uh, and he was saying... That, good math. Yeah, when the... Uh, I, you know, I when wasn't the really listening to what Liam was saying. To when the Colts but... played the Bears? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Let's just move on. <laughs> so, no, sorry, but he was saying that uh, he thought he was ready for a, a head coaching job at the time, but, but looking back now and how much he's progressed in his, his four years with Carolina, he thinks that perhaps he wasn't, and the opportunity with Carolina came along at, at just the right time. I mean, it's kind of refreshing for a coach to be that honest because you know some of them do have massive egos and think they are the greatest ever uh, right let's uh, so let's hello you're listening to the horse ramble daily where we'll be covering all of your horse needs and there's more every day during the Cheltenham festival betway are giving you the chance to win fifty thousand pounds in the free to play or to win game Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Hello, Gabby Logan here, and I'm pitch side at Welland FC, where Suki and his mate Simon have arranged a kickabout to fundraise for sport relief. It's 11.47 on a Sunday. I think some of these players are a little worse for wear. But they're here, they've got their kit on, they're kicking against injustice and smashing poverty right out the box. They're still 2-0 down, though. Oh, but would you look at that goal! You can help change the world, too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sport Relief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by ACAST. Get back and chat Radio Rowling, shall we? All great points, Liam. So, uh, uh, fantastic work. Both of you have done brilliantly today. What are you guys off doing? More team stuff tomorrow? What's your plan tomorrow? I, I, we haven't really talked about. That. I haven't really looked at it, but yeah, yeah I might go and do a bit of stuff, then come back here and see what this is all about. Chill on the old radio. I've got Rome. a spa booked in for ten, so uh, strong. Trying when, to work, when trying to work to, around when that. When are you doing your Alcatraz tour? Uh, next Tuesday. Yeah. Well, I'll see you next Tuesday then. That was a <laughs> joke, just in case anyone wasn't sure. Uh, <laughs> um, so Radio Row today, Matt Sherry. Uh, why are you shaking your head? It was funny. It'll be funny when it's beeped out. It might not be so funny saying that word out loud when there's lots of other microphones around and cameras. But it's fine. We're British. We get away with these things. Uh, Radio Row today was uh, really great fun. We only have one interview booked in at the beginning of the day, which is Kelvin Beecham, who we'll hear from in a short while. But... Beach! <laughs> Beachy! <laughs> yeah, during the Kelvin Beecham interview, well, actually just afterwards, he was still hanging around our table chatting and, and just uh, having a chat to us, having a chat to the guys at the table over. And Ike Taylor and the NFL uh, network, huge set, is just uh, kind of t- uh, 20 or 30 feet away behind us. And Ike Taylor stood up on his uh, riser where they're doing their show from and just screamed, Beach! across the room at him I just uh, quite a lot of people just turned around then I did not mean to do that quite so loud you did also beach that. is very close to another word <laughs> which as a girl was walking past there could have been construed incorrectly uh, they don't know women on Radio Row come on it's not a it's 
not the Dark Ages. What does that mean? <laughs> you can't die in an avenue, which is quickly turned into a cul-de-sac. <laughs> and, and the way he said, what did that mean? Sounded a lot like partridge, so it was just kind of like... Thieves cul-de-sac. Uh, right, so, let's talk about... Your eyes, are, you're just taking your glasses off. Your eyes are unbelievably small. It's incredible. How have you never noticed that? Oh. I have, but I've put it out before. Brilliant. Thanks for that, guys. Uh, so, we had, we, I'm, like I said, a lot, of the, a lot of the interviews we did get to get in on Radio Row, we will play out over the next uh, few weeks, and we'll, we'll have lots more audio for you, but there were a couple we wanted to bring you today before we kind of wrapped up, and let's start with, uh, with uh, Kelvin Beecham, or Marvin Fleming. Don't care. Go for oh, Fleming. Come on. We'll start with Marvin Fleming, this guy who is uh, maybe one of the best players you've never heard of. Because he's won seven Super Bowl titles. That's Twitter bio. <laughs> he, he basically said, so we run about Gronk and he goes, you know, the thing with me is I was just as big as he is. I could run, catch passes and block, block a lot better. And yet nobody ever talks about me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bravado. But uh, it was really for Marvin Fleming, former tight end of the Packers and the Dolphins, played under Vince Lombardi and Don Shula. Uh, we talked about the perfect season. He talked about the champagne and everything else which was really great fun and uh, I did, this was genuinely this was the first interview we did this morning at uh, whatever kind of time it was about half nine ten yeah. o'clock and it really just set the tone for the day yeah. and just showed uh, like how much fun these guys are here to have and I really really enjoyed it so here is former tight end of the Packers of the Dolphins Marvin Fleming so it's an uh, absolute pleasure to be joined on Radio Ride by a man uh, who has got more championships than anyone in the history of the NFL and, and played in, was it five Super Bowl games? I did. Uh, former Packer, Marv Fleming. Marv, how are you doing? Hi, thank uh, you for having me here. No uh, worries, no real pleasure. I am uh, for a man who is um, beginning, who has come to the realization that you get older. I'm 74 years old. I am really good. You don't look a day over 50, should we say? Is that the nice compliment? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy to be here. And, um, and, and playing football was, a, um, was something that um, I worked at to be good. Uh, it was something that uh, you have to, um, you can't take it for granted because you never know when you might trip and hurt yourself and be out forever. Um, I never really, really, really got hurt. Um, as far as you know, um, I got my feelings hurt a lot sometimes. <laughs> but other than that, um, I was um, with um, two great coaches, two great teams, great players. I mean, what, what more can you ask for when you have all that, you know, when, when the guys are play for each other? Was it, as a guy who played in the first ever Super Bowl mm -hmm. championships with Green Bay and with uh, that phenomenal team, what's it like coming back and seeing all of this for Super Bowl yeah. 50 and, and you know thousands of people here and people here from the UK covering I the know. sport? It's got to be crazy. I'm so happy that uh, I can talk to the people from the UK. Well, you know, <laughs> when I in the first one, there were probably my 12 guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 12, 12 guys with cameras and, and, and you know, recorders. That was all. Wow. And here it's just, uh, I was telling someone earlier that before it was about us, now it's about you guys doing it for us. Oh, you well, see? We absolutely love that. There's nothing yeah, you guys, you guys are doing it for us. Uh, kind of, you've kind of mentioned the, the coaches that you played under there. What, what was it like? I mean, you've, you've got Don Schuller and Vince Lombardi, two of the greatest coaches of all time. 
How, how do you look back on that? That must be pretty well, special. First, I look at I'm, first of all, I'm very fortunate, okay? Very fortunate to be able to be in that position. Yeah. But playing for, for uh, like, Chris Lombardi, who, who, who taught me uh, the game of life. Yeah. You know? The game of life. Like, not just football today, but what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Yeah. And, and playing with Don Shula. Uh, playing with a coach who... who who, who, who um, allow pressure on you and puts pressure on you and make you think about what you what you are and what you're going to do? You know, he was a great football coach. Yeah, and 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 Coach Lombardi in particular was was one of the leading figures in that era in terms of black players and supporting that. How have you kind of assessed the 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 way black players have more integrated in the game since the, I think it was 1960 when Washington. The last team to have a black player came in. How have you assessed a, a, a black player in in the team? It was 1960, I think, when Washington became the last team to integrate. Oh, a, you say a, a block or a black? Black. <laughs> uh, not a blocking tight end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a hard time. Yeah. Um, just, just kind of, how do you assess that that journey in the last 50 years to the point where we're at now? And obviously, a guy like Cam Newton at the at the centre of a week like this. Well, it it used to be where um, a, a person of colour yeah. uh, could not be a middle linebacker. Uh-huh. Uh, and now most of the greatest. <laughs> yes, yes, can be a linebacker, really. And then they said, well, he was fast, so we'll let him be a running back. Yeah. And and then and he was fast, so we'll let him cover the receivers, you know. But now it's like um, when, when I played, and it's, the game has changed. Yeah. Um, and why has it changed? Why is it more blacks and planes than whites? Um, I, I guess to be able to to have the mind thought of going out there, getting your butt kicked, you know, you would say, hmm, I think I'd rather be an accountant instead. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the the um, and and for and, and the uh, the reward for playing is high too. Yeah, you know, no doubt. Yeah, the reward by being paid. So you have all all sorts of uh, people playing the game, but uh, but now it's it's mostly black players and people from color playing. Yeah, and um, I guess they're the hungriest. Yeah, you can say. Uh, let me ask about uh, Coach Shuler you mentioned there. We spoke to him actually earlier in the year and we talked to him about the perfect season. Yes. And uh, the, the Panthers came so close this year to that same feat. Just talk to us about, first of all, how uh, Im- seemingly impossible it is to achieve that task and what you think it was about that team that made you guys so special and able to, and able to uh, achieve that. Yes, it's very special. Then it was not about... Uh, what we're going to try to do is what we do now. Then it's one game at a time. Yeah. One game at a time. So you you win six. Oh, we won six. You win eight. Oh, eight. Ten games we've won. We really we've won ten games. You know. <laughs> was oh, there a, was there a point where you started to think, oh, we might actually do this? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. It wasn't. And we we got to the end of the season. So now we go to playoffs. Now you'd be foolish not to go any farther. We come this far and yeah. done so well, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. And so we so we go, we win and we win again. Now it's Super Bowl time, okay? And that would like really be a bust if you 
going all that way and not take home the turkey. Huh? Absolutely. You, you, so, mean like, you mean like the Patriots, Matt? That's what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's a big Patriots I can, fan. Uh, so. Yes. And so that's how it happened for us. And, 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 and what happened? We, the year before, we, got to, we went to the Super Bowl and we lost. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we lost. Yeah, I, remem- so, I, well, so I don't that, remember. But. <laughs> that stayed in our minds, too. Go all the way and lose? No. So that's one of the reasons why we had a perfect season. And we didn't have to play against, you know, now, nowadays, at half the season, the team has to play against the Dolphins, too. Yeah. They don't know yeah. it. <laughs> they don't know it, but the Dolphins are, you know, saying, you know, waiting to see what they're going to do. And they had to play against the opponent. Because everywhere they go, barbershop, you know, service station, they're talking about perfect season, yeah. perfect season, and they get, uh, you know, they get all mixed up. And, and there's, there's a great kind of tale of you guys getting together every year when the final unbeaten team well, loses. Let me tell you about that. <laughs> I, um, I have, um, I have, um, I, I am, I had some, I had my acknowledgement papers always written up yeah. to say, I want to thank the Panthers for being, you know, blah, 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 congratulations. Yeah. But then I slide it back into the, and, and, and I didn't even dust it off this time. But it, it has come, um, I sent out a memo, I formed an LLC, a limited partnership, to all my players. I sent a memo, do not uh, pop the champagne. We only did that one time. Do not pop the champagne in public. <laughs> Go in the closet and do it. Go and scream and yell and holler and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> but do not, you know, you know, show that because uh, yeah, there there is change. People like change, and so that's how that's happened. And, and funny the the tight end position I want to ask about mm-hmm. because it's a position obviously. I mean, when you were playing and you mm-hmm. had the old half end, that it was a lot more about blocking and, and the running game. You see the way that that position's developed in players like Rob Gronkowski, and then yes. this weekend we've got Greg Olson who's playing at an incredibly high level. Owen Daniels, an older guy playing for the Broncos. What are your thoughts on how the tight end positions change? Okay, when when I see and hear the the announcer says he's the best ever, I'm saying. Um, best ever. What about the guy who won so many titles? Yeah, I said best ever. I mean, I could catch and I could block, and we ran, we ran the ball. Okay. Yep. And, and now you can't even touch the guy getting off the line. Yeah. Okay. And so I felt that. Oh, oh and, and and down at the, <clears throat> it happened to Seahawks this year, and happened to a couple last year. Uh, again, the goal line to win the game. Yeah. What we would have done is, what, run the son of a gun in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. I, I even asked Shula, I said, Coach, he's on the chalkboard, Coach, um, um, why is it that uh, third and one in short yardage, goal line, why do we go to the strong side all the time? Because they're reading our tendencies. Yeah. And he turns around slowly, says, because we got you, Marv. <laughs> I said, but, but, but Coach, 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 can't we, like, fake it and go back to the weak side? He says, fake it? 10 out of 10, we're going to fake it? No way. And so, um, and they say, and, and they say these guys are so good and so great and all that. I, I kind of beg the difference because I'm just as big as they were and I caught the ball and I blocked better and I went to more Super Bowls and all that stuff. 
and they don't even mention my name, but... Well, there you go. We've got but, the best tight end of all time but, sat with us, Matt Sherry. But and, you know what? I'm one of the proudest, most fortunate football players ever. Right. Marv Fleming. But the real reason I'm here, you know why I'm here? Oh, Marv, this is what I was going to say. Look, yes. you, you mentioned earlier, yes. you're 74 years old. We mm -hmm. said you don't look a day over 50. Mm -hmm. you're, you're walking around here around Media yep. Center, and you, and you look great. Thank you. But you're, you're here with Zimmer Biomet and, uh, and the work they do with... Zimmer Biomet is the, uh, the place you want to go. There's too many people today who are living in pain. I mean, you know, they get up in the morning and have their pills. Why do that? You know, I have friends I play golf with who has had a complete, um, had two knees replaced. He says, Marvin, I feel like a new kid now. Yeah. There's people out there with joints, with all that, that the rheumatism that you have and all that, uh, you know, the pain that you have. You don't have to do that. Just think, you know, if you go to, yeah, Zimmer Biomet, just, and they'll take care of it for you. You need that. It's a thing that you should do. And I guess, I guess you're living proof of that as a guy who played in probably football's toughest era and is talking about playing golf at 74. Well, if you go to Venice Beach, you see this guy on skateboards. Yeah. <laughs> I, I teach the kids how to skateboard. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and that's thanks to Zimmer Biomet. Yes. Brilliant. Now, Marv, it's been a real pleasure chatting Thank you. Thank you, for you so me. much for joining us and, and enjoy the rest of Super Week. Just very quickly, a pick for this weekend for Sunday? I, have no, I haven't read the script yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. Marv, thanks real so Thank you very much. All right. Marvin Fleming there of the Green Bay Packers and Miami Dolphins tight end. Uh, great chat with him. Um, uh, was there anything you wanted to comment on off the back of that other than the Gronk stuff that I thought was quite fun? Obviously, it was great hearing about Schuler and hearing about Lombardi as well, and just generally a, a fascinating bloke. Yeah, he was. You, uh, this is me. <laughs> no, getting any kind of answer out of you today is like drawing blood from a stone. No, I'm only joking. It, it, do you know it was great? It was, um, it was one of those, his representatives came over, um, it's always difficult to tell, especially with the older guys, who they actually are. So we had to try and figure that out. And then, I, um, no, but he came over and he was great fun, wasn't he? And it was just kind of, just a lovely kind of 15 minute conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to move on and speak to Kelvin Beach and then have a chat amongst ourselves. But Kelvin Beach came down to join us on Radio Row. And he was, again, in great spirits, came down, he was dancing. And uh, this, is, this was a lot of great stuff in this because he um, chatted to us about his intention of whether or not he's going to sign as a uh, sign back with the Steelers yep. at left tackle, his relationship with Ramon Foster, uh, and, and whether or not that's going to affect him. Blocking for Big Ben, which he, he enjoyed my question on that quite a substantial amount. That gave him a good laugh. Um, and generally, this was another really good chat. So here is Kelvin Benjamin, currently left tackle of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, absolutely delighted to be joining Radio having a little bit of a dance. Kelvin Beecham, how are you doing, sir? I'm great, man. I feel great. I was about to say left tackle of the Steelers, but... Are left you, tackle of the Steelers? Are you, are you still a Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> That's got to be the first question, That's the me. first question. We'll see in March, man. You know, taking it a day at a time, let, you know, letting... Uh, you know, the business people take care of the business things and, uh, you know, when, when it's time for me to make some moves, I'll do so. What, what, how does that work for you? You're obviously coming off, coming off of injury and into that contract year is a difficult time. Is it kind of maybe looking at one of those one-year deals to, to build the market for next year? We'll see. You know, um, you know, I, can't, I don't want to spill the beans just yet, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what what, uh, what God has for me and what, what's out there and what's on the market, what the Steelers are thinking and what other teams are thinking, and uh, we'll take it from there. I don't think we're making any rash decisions right now, seeing how things play out. I mean, the, the season is still going on right now. You know, we still got the Super Bowl this weekend. Um, there's still a number of different factors that, that are playing playing out before we, you know, 
make make it uh, make it official. So we'll see how things go. How's the knee doing, first of all? The knee is doing really well, man. I'm feeling exceptionally well. I worked out this morning, got on the treadmill this morning, um, feeling good, worked out, you know, getting back into the swing swing of things, being able to stand up and do weights, which is which is great, you know. But sometimes with that knee, you don't want to push it too much, you know, standing yeah. up and holding weight. A lot of the stuff is seated, so I've been able to stand up and start doing some more work in that respect. So I'm just enjoying the process right now, man. I'm taking it a day at a time, not doing anything too strenuous and just being smart about what I'm doing. Uh, particularly, particularly, sorry, just quickly as a, as, a, as a tackle and as a lineman, obviously your physique is a huge part of your job and you've got to stay big, but when you're not able to work out, when you've got an injury like that, how do you kind of manage those two things? Well, you know, the thing is, everything is done kind of seated. Like I said, you know, when you're benching, you know, your, your feet are not on the ground. Your, your, feet, your, feet, your feet are propped up to make sure that, you know, you're not pushing out that knee right now because it may not be in the position for you to be pushing like yeah. that. So it's just being smart about it. You know, the biggest thing is really eating right. You know, you know, you have that, that low period where... No, I don't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> You're speaking to the wrong guy. Hey, what I'm saying, you know, when I, when, I, when I had the injury, you know, I was kind of, you know, you kind of, you kind of, you're grieving for a little bit. And the way I grieved was I ate, you know. Yeah. And then after you get done eating, you get back to, get back to, to, to reality and realize, hey, I got to take care of my body. I got to eat right. I got to get back to, to what it took for me to get there. Because the thing is, it's not just to get back to where I was. It's to be better. Than what I was yeah. like when I, when I, you know, before I got hurt. So getting stronger, getting, getting more fit, being more, uh, you know, having make sure my body fat is is, is 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 where it needs to be to be the best that I can be. And and how frustrating was last season to be on the sidelines because one year you are one of the kind of ascendant players in the league at just the right age, kind of coming into your prime. And and two, you look at that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. It was fantastic without Le'Veon Bell for much of the year yourself that was there a feeling of kind of what might have been if you guys were all healthy you know I mean we can't look at it like that we got to look at what it was you know at, even with all that being said we still had a chance to beat the Broncos yeah still had a chance to, to be in the AFC championship game and we didn't deliver you know and that's really all it boils down to um, we can look at the what-ifs and, and, and you know what could have happened what should have happened if somebody would have been here if somebody would have been there you know, football is football. It happens that way at, at many, many instances along the journey. So, yeah. um, you know, we had, had to have, a, you know, people step up and people stepped up. You know, like I said, we just didn't deliver when we had to. And, and, and one of the things that we were discussing is that the tackle position to me seems to be one where a lot of guys like yourself drafted low come in and end up being the biggest stars and some of the guys drafted high. It doesn't necessarily work it, it, out. It does seem like teams are spending number one, number two, number three picks on tackles all the time yeah. and then those guys aren't the stars. Yeah, and I mean, what do you think it is about that position that makes it tough for guys to evaluate you, yourselves? I mean, it, You know, I mean, I'm not really into the evaluation process, so I mean, you have to talk to some, some experts about that, but uh, you know, I, I, my thing is is, is, is is if guys utilize opportunity. You know, everybody gets an opportunity, well not everybody, but you know, you get an opportunity. Yeah. And it's all about what you're doing with that opportunity that, that, that makes it count and, and makes it worthwhile for you and the people that have drafted you. Um, and it makes it worthwhile when, when it comes up time to, to get paid or, or, or when it comes up time for you know, a team to make a decision. If you've done the work and you put your best foot forward in many instances, you know, I mean, you, you, you've putting yourself in a position to, you know, collect and, and, and be able to be on a team and be an integral part of the team. And that's it. You only know your own situation, obviously. But what's it? You got you come out in the late round, you, you become a starter, and you get to come and do stuff like this, come down to Super Bowl 50 and, and chat to some guys over from Britain. I mean, you came over to London, of course, with oh, yeah. the Steelers as well. So oh, yeah. 
having those opportunities, considering you draft a little bit later and, and you know the success rate for guys in those rounds isn't that high, does that mean it's extra special for you that you? It's, it's extra special, man. You know, God has, has graced me with the ability to play this game at a high level, and it's not just playing it, you know, just today, but playing it for a very, very long time. So anytime I get to do something that's out of the ordinary. I actually enjoyed, man. You know, yeah. going over to London, and you know, I've been over to Mexico a couple of times to go and represent the Steelers at, at, at little uh, Steelers mini camps. You know, I've doing some things with different different organizations that have opened doors for me to go places. You know, I never would have thought I would be here. You know, during the week of the Super Bowl, talking about football and myself. You know, when I was you know 15 and 16 years old. But that's that's what football and playing football does for individuals who are very committed uh, to being the best that they can be. And how does being here this week kind of? build that buzz inside you to make sure you're here next year but kind of behind the podium in, in media day as opposed that, to that that's that's the goal you know the thing is is a lot of people ask you know are you coming to the game Sunday I'm like no why would I be at the game I'm not in the game you know why would I want to why would I want to be at a game that I'm, that I'm not in you know and that for me that's that's uh that's big uh, it, the Steelers offense that we mentioned it already was so explosive and, and so much potential considering the injuries as well and okay I know you're not going to give away too much to us but does that potential make you think right I want to go back there because I know what we could achieve yeah. if we've got everyone healthy and ready to go and you know uh, you know I think it's, it's it's a lot of pieces you know the thing is is, is the, the 2015 team is pieced together a certain way the 2016 team has to be pieced together a certain way so I don't know you know I don't know what, what the organization is thinking in that respect but you know the relationships that you have and the relationship that I have with Ramon Foster my love guard is one that I'm gonna have for the rest of my life just because of the relationship that we built. You know, when I when I drive down to Texas, I stop in Tennessee and I stay at his house, sleep yeah. in his guest bed. You know what I'm saying? That type of relationship you're not able to just put together after a year. That's something that that comes over time. You know what I'm saying? And, and the relationships that myself and Marquise Pouncey and, and DeCastro and Mike Adams and and uh, Gilbert and you know, the list goes on and on. You know, I was texting guys this morning. I was on the phone with Will Allen this morning for like 30 minutes, you know, <laughs> just shooting the bull and those type of relationships. That's the thing that you have to consider when you're going into this this type of situation. And, and, and just, sorry, just a final one from me. You mentioned those relationships. I've, I've interviewed kind of Dan Rooney and spoke to other guys at the Steelers and it seems that that kind of family atmosphere is really cultivated in Pittsburgh. Is, is, there, is it a unique situation? Then? It's a very unique situation. You know, when I'm able to go out and talk to organizations about the culture, I'm able to talk about our culture because our culture is very special. Yeah. And it's special because of the coaches and because of the owner and because of the emphasis that they put on making it special, making it, making it family. You know, everything we do together, we try to support each other and one another together. You know, when one has an event, we all show up for that event. You know, when one has a kid, when one has a child, it's it's gifts that are loaded in his locker, you know. So, I mean, it's just that, that special family bond that we all have that has grown from the Steelers and that family and, and trickled down to the players. Yeah. Let, let me ask about protecting Ben because I'm intrigued uh, as, a, as a tackle who's got to go up against the best pass rushers in the league. I mean, obviously you've had defenses like the Ravens in recent years in your same division and, and the Bengals and what they've got on the defensive line. Your, the style of your offense is a lot of deep threat. The, the, the wide receivers like to get deep, which means by nature Ben holds onto the ball for four or five seconds. Do you ever wish you were like playing with that Brady offense where it's out in two seconds, you've only got to protect him for like no time at all, and your job's done? He might be healthy now, mate. Man, I, I'm telling you this. I love blocking for Ben Roethlisberger. Man, it's, it's no other quarterback that I would want in my huddle and protect the way I protect for Ben. When that sum gun is on fire, 
he is on fire. And when he's not, he's still on fire. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's something special about him, man. He's a, he's a competitor. Um, he's always going to find a way to, to have us in the game. Um, you know, he, he doesn't let bad plays disrupt what he's about and what he's trying to accomplish in the game. And for me, you know, you got a quarterback that's going to find a way to take care of the ball, find a way to, 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 to put us in the end zone and put us in the best positions to thrive. That's the guy that I want behind me, and that's the guy that I want to protect. Awesome. Uh, let me ask, it's obviously coming up to the off-season now. You mentioned we're nearly done. I, I know you do a lot of uh, work in your spare time, but you're specifically here with Chevron. What's the, what's the stuff you're doing with those guys? So the stuff I'm doing with Chevron, I volunteered at their mobile fab lab. You know, what I love saying about Chevron is Chevron has not just talked about it, but they're about it. They've made a commitment to, to STEM education. Um, it's, it's, it's great to, to give out money to different programs, but what Chevron has done, Chevron has made a commitment. They put their money where their mouth is, and it actually made a commitment to youth. And you know, the, the mobile fab lab, they're able to take that into to poverty ridden areas where I've done work at, they're in Pittsburgh, and you know, take these, these, these maker spaces to these kids and allow these kids to create, to be innovative. And, and our workforce here in, here in the country, we got to have kids that are willing to innovate. I mean by STEM, you mean uh, science, technology. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And if you want to go even farther than that, it's science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. So it's it's a combination of just getting kids excited. And that's really where Chevron has really kind of taken their hold and really made it uh, their thing to be the, the leaders of STEM education. And there's a lot of conversation around the NFL and NFL players. People always talk about the kind of rags to riches guys, the guys who football gives them the chance to get out of those situations. And you're saying yourself going to those more deprived areas. So how important is it that they, these kids get those sorts of opportunities? You know, it's very important. It's not just important. You know, like you said, it's, it's great to get those kids out of the situations. But what I'm doing is I've gotten out. Okay, how can I give back? How yep. can I make sure that we have a very, very established pipeline of getting kids from K through 12 and then from 12 you know we could we need to have some of these African-American kids coming out here and being in Silicon Valley you know we need to have them being over yeah. in the UK we need to have them in Australia but it starts with making sure that they have access to those programs to even think about it I come from the country I come from a town of about 7,000 people I had nothing like this growing up. Yeah. So to be able to take programs like this and give those to those kids, that's what's most important to me. And I guess I guess the thing is, not everybody's going to be blessed to have the talent that you, you know, have. So there has to be other avenues. You for know, them there, as well. there has to be other avenues. I love. It's a saying by by some some people that are doing some things in robotics. Robotics. Everybody can go pro. Yeah. Everybody. You can. Everybody can go pro in robotics. Everybody can be a pro drone drone person you know yeah. you know I, I can be a professional from a drone standpoint i got a drone you know what i'm saying <laughs> everybody can be a pro that's the same thing that happens in the, and I, that i feel happens in the stem field if you can get engaged and excited about some things from a stem standpoint you can be a pro in whatever you do you you know every i mean the, what the, i mean i don't know the percentages the, the percentages are crazy so you know you may not be on a football team but why not be somebody that's running the, the cameras on the football yep. team? Why not be the person that's running the analytics for, for a football team? And what's going on from a football standpoint? There's so many different avenues just in sports that you can do with STEM. And the thing is, that STEM zone over in Super Bowl City, if you go and go visit that spot, they're doing everything that they can to make STEM relatable to football. How the trajectory of the ball is thrown, how blocking is done, the force behind it. And all those things are so important. Um, and making these kids aware of the opportunities that are available to them uh, from a STEM standpoint. Right, everyone's going to want to know what you're going to do the rest of this offseason, where you're going to end up. So, where can they going to find out? Can they follow you on Twitter? <laughs> where are you going to be making the announcement? Well, you, and you mentioned Ramon as well. I mean, he's a guy who yeah. could easily walk away this yeah. year as well. So, uh, when are we going to find that information out? When can people know what? Where, when can people know? We, we, I mean, we got to wait till March, man. You know, unless unless the Steelers make 
make some uh, make some make some uh, some some additional plans before then, man. That's when we find out. So it's a, it's a wait and see game for everybody. Awesome, what's up, Kelvin? It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Yes, sir. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Super Bowl week. Yes, sir. Y'all do the same. Kelvin Beecham there, and it's going to be fascinating for that Steelers offense what they do, particularly on that side of the line, because you're going to have Kelvin Beecham whether or not he returns. You're going to have Ramon Foster whether or not he returns. And I mean Alejandro, I'm going to forget his surname now. Fowlin. The guy, no, not Alejandro <laughs> Fowlin of Queens Park Rangers. The guy who filled in at uh, the person that Lady Gaga was singing about in a hit song, Alejandro. It's be it begins with V, like uh, Villanueva. Yes. Yeah, well like done. That. Thank you for reminding me. Who filled in at left tackle for the Steelers? Did a good job. Yeah. But when you consider, obviously, Lev Bell being out for a big portion of the season, Big Ben missed games himself. Yeah. Uh, that Steelers offense, if they manage to bring back the left side of that line and have that consistency, and for me, I, what I'd really love to see them do in the draft is go and get a high-end tight end or in free agency, because they just add that small element to their short passing game, a guy who can uh, offer them what, say, Greg Olson's done for the Panthers this year, what Rob Gronkowski's obviously done for the Patriots. You just add that final facet to that offense. It could easily be the best in the NFL I, I, next season. I think, I think there's a good chance it will be the best in the NFL anyway. I, would, I think they need to spend any free agency money they've got which is not a lot i think it's around about six million in cap room so they're kind of doing their yearly salary cap dance there but i think they kind of need to spend everything on the defense but in terms of beecham this is a guy who is one of the ascending left tackles in the league he's coming off a torn acl so that might affect his market somewhat but at the end of the day you Tackles are getting paid at the moment. Three um, years as a starter after coming out in the sixth round is impressive stuff. And and he was really really good before he got injured. And as I said, I don't torn ACLs aren't really the issue that they used to be at anyway. So yeah, I mean I think the market's going to be strong for him. Well, it was funny I asked him, as you heard there about the the one year prove it deal situation, and it, he kind of smiled when I asked that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way his agents are looking. If if he can go somewhere for six seven million dollars this year or maybe even less than that and and put in a good year then i think there's every chance he gets kind of a a tyron smith type contract or a lane johnson type contract. yeah or a lane johnson <laughs> contract who has been ridiculously overpaid this week for he's been paid like a, a starting left tackle for a guy who can't start at left tackle. yeah i mean he filled in for jason peters this year quite a bit but he didn't pull up any trees in doing that so yeah, that was an interesting move, but good news for Kelvin Beecham because I imagine his agents are, are looking at that contract and licking their chops. Now, we we did uh, say this was uh, Ollie's suggestion last week, and I think it's one we should pick up on and potentially run with. Uh, the idea of, because we're going to have four more shows up until the Super Bowl itself, three more shows, four more shows, three more shows, four including today, picking a side of the ball or a part of the game and, and focusing specifically on that ahead of Sunday. So, I mean, really, does anyone have something that they would like to talk about? No, I, was just, I was just putting it out there, you know. Yeah, so you gave the idea and then you didn't have any ideas about it. So I mean, it depends how you do it. You're either match teams or you say... I think we talk about matchups. We talk about uh, whether it's... This is it's a production meeting in audio form yeah. to the listeners I 100% like I mean I could have edited it but now you've said that I feel like I mean it's what we could do uh, I mean we've we've heard from Cam Newton today so we could go quarterback versus quarterback or 
as uh, Sherry said, you could go offense versus defense or yeah, offensive line, defensive line, that kind of thing. We did get into the offensive line and the defensive line in pretty big depth with uh, with our man uh, Brian Baldinger. But uh, I think if we okay, let's focus maybe on the Panthers' defense as we've spoken about that so much over the last few days, and then we can drop it for the rest of the week. Or should we just not do this and come back to it tomorrow? No, let's do it. I think let's do it. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Let's uh, talk about the, that Panthers' deep. The Avenue of Thieves. The, the Avenue of the Thieves Avenue, as the, they call themselves. So uh, I think uh, the, the, the stuff that I found particularly fascinating today from our chat with Baldy and something we've talked about in a lot of depth is how that Broncos offensive line is going to match up when they're going to have K1 Shaw, Starlo Tulele, and that rotation of defensive ends who can come in and rush the passer. Uh, I, when you add to that the fact that they, when they do blitz, they tend to blitz off the edge. They're not a high-blitzing team, the Panthers. I think they only blitz about 26% through the regular season, which is on average with what uh, you've seen in the NFL. But in that last game, actually, against the Cardinals, when they knew that they needed to uh, set Palmer off his feet, yep. cause him more issues, not allow him the time to throw downfield, they knew he'd be holding onto the ball longer they really went and attacked him and blitzed a hell of a lot more 40 plus percent of their of their defensive plays were blitzed which is massively high uh, so how do how do you think they're going to choose to line up on that front against the broncos do you think they're going to go heavy at them or do you think they're going to allow peyton manning the time thinking well he can't really beat us yeah i mean i, I think sorry ollie i think no, the no. obvious way to go is the denver offensive line isn't very good so by rushing four they will probably get enough pressure anyway and the way to go in Man against Manning now is definitely to really kind of clog up the middle of the field with guys in coverage and make them make tight, hard throws into small windows that he probably can't make. And and those throws are even more dangerous with guys like Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis around people who are known for targeting interceptions and are very good at it. So I, w I would expect that to be the game plan. I'm, I'm not sure the... I mean, Manning early in the in the air was getting confused by some coverages, but I'm not sure ultimately that's the way to go. He's kind of seen everything, and I think he's. You're at the stage of his career where the Panthers' defense is good enough to just play a very vanilla game plan and still beat them with a few wrinkles in there. Yeah, obviously, do you, think, do you think they'll do that? Do you think they'll actually do that? Because how much of a statement would it be to smash Manning early and hard? It would be a statement, but I think they can do that by just rushing four guys yeah. anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, Baldy kind of summed it up when he when I asked him, "How do those guys inside match up against K1 Shaw and Shaw?" And yeah. he said, "I think it's going to be a very long afternoon," and I think he might be right. So. Yeah, I mean, when you've got those guys in the middle and you can rely on them, uh, especially with um, Cookley and uh, Davis. Keekly. <laughs> Another great surname pronunciation. I still don't know how to do it. But Keekly. with those guys, you're reliant on them to... The, uh, both are brilliant in, in run and uh, pass coverage as yeah. well. That whoever you bring, and anyone extra, we've seen... Um, you know some some corner blitzes, not yeah. necessarily from the, from so much from the Panthers, yeah. but that could be something else that we'll, yeah. that we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it was Baldy again who who made the very good point that there's not a middle linebacker in the league who has played like Luke Keekley since Ray, uh, he's the first guy since Ray Lewis who has 
who has been that good at, at everything. He is. And I, I think and he has a chance to be better than Ray Lewis, truthfully. Uh, the guy is incredible. And I actually think what's key as well, as we spoke with Shaq Thompson about this yesterday, but Shaq Thompson, uh, similarly to Thomas Davis, is a guy who played safety at freshman year, converted to being a linebacker, yeah. uh, has that coverage ability. And so if he ha is forced to fill in, they play a lot of nickels, they play a lot of just two linebackers. But uh, if he is forced to fill in on a lot of snaps for Thomas Davis, it's obviously a drop off. Thomas Davis is one of the best linebackers in the league. And has probably had his best season ever as well. But it's not as big a drop off as it could be potentially if you had uh, one of the other guys in the rotation there so it, they've got its youth its uh, speed and then you've got the avenue of thieves I mean uh, we, I've well, said can, it, before that can I just say what Ron Rivera said uh, please do about um, about uh, Kukli <laughs> they're not two different players TD he said uh, I like Luke TD and Shaq are great combinations of guys to have tremendous skill set similar to uh, he was uh, talking about uh, Marshall Wilson etc they're aggressive guys they play downhill they play physical I've been very fortunate to coach as well coaching guys like Erlacher Jer Jeremiah Trotter Lance Brig Briggs Stephen Cooper just guys that are aggressive physical guys it's something special when you get to be around guys like that I'd, I'd, I'd love to ask I'd, sorry I'd love to ask him and maybe we kind of maybe we kind of do this tomorrow at the media I'd love to ask for a comparison with Brian Erlacher because well, he's put them in the he's put yeah. those guys in the same sort of uh, phrasing as as Erlacher and I think you're right it is really interesting to see where he sees Thomas Davis and uh, Luke Keekley uh, against that, yeah, and it's actually, do you know what? Do you know what? I, I think that Brian Erlacher was one of the greats of the last 10, 15, 20 years, but he was great against the run and he could rush the passer. He's not that great in coverage. These yeah. guys do all three yeah. things. So, you see, that, that's that, that's what really separates them both for me. They're, they're both so multifaceted and so comfortable in, in all of the things that a linebacker is asked to do. And I'd agree with you, it's hard, you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment in this situation, but Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis are the best linebacking combination I think I've seen in the NFL. Mm. I mean, I, I think they're, they're, the, the comparison, and this is going to sound totally ridiculous as a 49ers homer, but the only comparable Bowman and Willis in the last 10 years. Because th those guys were similarly stout against the run, very good in coverage. And I, and I tell you the difference, what about with, the the difference guys? with Bowman and Willis. And I, I like the Seahawks guys, they're fast, but I don't think they cover as well. The difference with Bowman and Willis... I don't think the in the same way. I think there's a, there's a stat in our gridiron season pre, uh, Super Bowl preview. And I think both guys have four interceptions this year. And I'm not sure any other linebacker in the league has more than three. Mm. I think it's something like that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting the thumbs up from Liam Blackburn, that, that, who is back hard working again. That that kind of sums it up, though, doesn't it? You've got they are the only two guys over three interceptions on the same team. And, that back, and back to incredible. back postseason interceptions for four six for for, for Luke as well. And I mean, when you consider they've incredible. also got the takeaways from Roman Harper, they've also got the takeaways from Josh Norman. They've also yeah, you know, they're, they're all they stack up in a big way. And what I was going to say about the Willis and Bowman comparison is the difference is there is Willis and Bowman, whilst they were both multi talented guy, had quite a distinct role. Whereas Davis and Keekley both fluctuate their role and, and do both things a lot more often which yeah. actually potentially makes them a better tandem yeah, yeah I mean if you just run through the numbers here we've got the page open from the from the gridiron preview Thomas Davis 105 tackles Keekley 118 5.5 sacks for Davis one for Keekley seven passes defended for Davis 10 for Keekley 
four interceptions apiece, four forced fumbles for Davis and two for Keegan. I mean, those numbers yeah. are absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, and they both produce. Well, if you had one of those season. in your team, you'd yeah. be thinking, great, but they've got two of them. Yeah. And that is why that whole defence is so formidable. So there you go. We did break down a unit and uh, we could go on for it for a lot longer, talk about the secondary, but we've talked about that in a lot of depth. Tomorrow, maybe we do the Broncos' offense, then move on and to that, the And that two. gets us into the secondary because Robert McLean and Cortland Finnegan are the only real weakness in the defense, so that would be what you'd expect the Broncos to Beautiful target. Beautiful stuff. Now, I've just pulled the other microphone out of the stand and I'm trying to hand it across the table and he's not paying any attention. He's faffing about on his phone. Here he goes. You don't need headphones on. You can hear us all talk. Pete Carlyle from the Daily Mail has joined us. Hello, it's a pleasure to see you in San Francisco. Pete, you, yeah, you, this is the first time wow, you've seen you. <laughs> that's the first time you've spoken since you got off the plane. <laughs> it, it was like a toddler trying to find words for the yeah. first time, wasn't it? How was your flight, Pete? Long. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to get you on to get a sense of how was your journey over uh, you've just arrived in today what are your first impressions of everything you've seen so far but you seem as zoned out as we were yesterday when we tried to do this very podcast yeah it was very quick uh, coming out of the airport <laughs> customs was good uh, dropped my stuff off came down here got the accreditation in time why is everyone laughing at everything I'm saying because we've had some very good transportation banter on this <laughs> podcast and by very good I mean <laughs> but we have had transportation bandit, which is obviously Hashtag a bit rare. Talk Mom is okay. Um, welcome to Radio Row. I'm uh, yeah, pleased what, to see you. What are you excited about this week? Um, burritos. Excellent. Um, just the general Super Bowl experience. To be honest, there's there's nothing quite like it. Uh, I'm looking forward you to meet going some to uh, ludicrous people. Lele. You have some fun. Uh, I've never been to a media party before. I'm, I, I take it you're all going. Oh, hell yes! No, we we'll just, we'll just and then we'll head straight over there. Well, it looks like I'll be piggybacking with you then. Um, I'm not carrying you. There is a bus that takes us there. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, just just looking forward to the whole thing. <laughs> Look, uh, we we um, know how you feel, Pete. We were in exactly the same position yesterday. We tried to do a podcast last night uh, after uh, doing the media opening night, whatever they call what? it, nonsense. Right. And it was uh, was it ludicrous? Our, it wasn't our finest work. It was good fun, but it wasn't. what is your finest work? <laughs> uh, well, I, the, the depressing part is it was completely ludicrous, and this one hasn't been much better. <laughs> <laughs> We had about five minutes talking about Thomas Davis and Luke Cookley. We did, uh, last night we did also, after doing that podcast and saying how tired we were and all ready to go to bed, then go to a bar for about two hours, uh, eat uh, chicken wings. Except for Liam who stormed off in a huff and went went back to his hotel on his own because Ollie had taken us the wrong way. Oh, yeah, that was vile. That's sour that was beer. one of the worst things. Sour beer. You're no, 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 no. Prick, isn't he? I, I recommended really liked that. It. It what was the? What was that? Cough syrupy type stuff. That was horrendous. Oh, Fernet Branca. Oh, yeah, Branca. It's glorious. You need to drink it with the right stuff. It's yes. amazing. Someone Sorry, this is a Fernet Branca hub. <laughs> yeah. You need to have it with ginger beer. Um, yeah, we did, mate. It's it great. Well, we didn't have it with ginger beer. We well, I'll tell you beer. what we did it's have fine it with. with. We, we had it as a combination that was designated by the San Francisco bar, who I trust a lot more than this clown who can't drink two words together. <laughs> we, it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> we had it with the champagne of beers, yeah. which was like a Michelob light or something. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do do you kind of just drink one and then the other straight after is that well, this, this is a hub isn't it um, they, they love it over here for, for some reason yeah. um, I, my brother-in-law gave me a bottle two Christmases ago yeah, all right. I, I thought it tasted like mouthwash to start with 
and then I mixed it with coke, and it was it you was kind of getting yeah 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 that's it, not what you meant. And then you mix it with ginger uh, I'm, ale. I'm pretty sure you're about to be thrown across state lines if anybody hears <laughs> you. No no no, it. and yeah, and you can make cocktails with it. You, it's an acquired taste. Yes, it does taste like mouthwash. I'll give you that. But once you get used to it, and you think okay, it goes down like. Nothing I mean, I, I, I quite like the taste of mouthwash, but I didn't enjoy <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. That was horrible. I loved it, by the way. I, I let it herby, and it's like yeah. a um, minty and either. Do I need to hold this one? microphone, or are we just mm. are we still recording? Yes. Yeah, right, absolutely. Okay. Um, my brother-in-law made me that. something called uh, a, what was it? A Fergus Henderson cocktail. It's supposed to be the ultimate hangover cure, which includes a Fernet Branca and it, and and uh, Bloody mint Mary. Liqueur and that the was vile. We're going to need one of those in the morning, Pete, after the media party. <laughs> you thought this podcast was for Wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow we're also going to be going out with Andrew Hill and the Sports Travel Tour guys, which we're really excited about. That's going to be really good fun. Uh, obviously, keep checking them out. SportsTravelTours.com. Com. Uh, we've get the live blog we've kept going today as well, gridiron-magazine.com, uh, up, uploading interviews as they come in, uploading, uh, we posting tweets on there, photos on there, vines on there. You know, that's keeping going all day long, so keep checking that out, gridiron-magazine.com, at gridiron on Twitter, to keep in touch with us there. Does anyone have any final thoughts before we go and enjoy ourselves at the media party? Uh, my only thought is we're already 45 minutes late for the media party, so let's No, we're not. Buses go at 7. Yeah, I told you it said it's hard. seven. On the thing, it Do you it ever get five. anything right, Will? It said started at somebody told me it started at five. Five thirty it starts. Bus starts at seven. There you go, five thirty on the app. Yeah, the bus will be at five. You're not on microphone, Liam Blackburn. <laughs> the bus is at seven, Liam. <laughs> right. Transport band's done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. And uh, more. Well, who have we got? Let's just have a quick look. Who have we got tomorrow? Because tomorrow morning at 7.30. What time is that in the US? In the UK? We're in the US. Uh, I'll tell you what time it's the US. <laughs> <laughs> it's 3.30. It's 3.30. 3.30. 3.30. We will be speaking with member of the Super Bowl 50 golden team, one of the best defensive backs of all time, if not the best, Ronnie Lott. And we've also got Cordell Stewart, Dominic Easley, Sean Drone, uh, plenty of other people joining us. Greg Jennings, Mike Haynes, Hall of Fame cornerback, all joining us on Radio Road, plus lots of other stuff from the Broncos and the Panthers. So join us again for another podcast tomorrow and that live blog. This has been The Gridiron Show. I want to hold them like they do in Texas, please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Love game, intuition, play the cards with spades to start. And after he's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on his heart.